Um, I just want to start with one super important announcement, and I'm actually super excited to make it before I get into preaching this morning, and just have the great privilege and joy of announcing that we have the, um, the privilege to be releasing Paul and Kate, they lead our congregation, to a sabbatical as of June for three months. So we as elders have been talking for about two years, really wanting to build in a rhythm of rest specifically for our pastoral staff so that they can really rejuvenate, rest, and run hard. Especially we know often the family takes a big price, pays a big price for pastoral ministry. And so this is a time where Paul and Kate will be away and just focused on being rested, rejuvenated, building deep time with the family and the kids. You know, they've got five children, so they need a full three months to get that right. (laughs) And so we're super excited. As of June, they will be... um, on a sabbatical way, traveling here, there, and everywhere. So we're super excited to release them and wanted to make that announcement here uh, before they go. And uh, let's bless them as they go. Um, so um, just with prayer and support and have them in our, in our thoughts. But also it's a great opportunity for us to step up, right? They're playing critical roles in our community. And now we get the opportunity to fill those for three months and really see uh, One Hope just grow from strength to strength. So really excited to release you guys soon, soon, and you deserve it. Uh, been running with us for, what, almost eight years, hey? Nine years. Almost eight years, so we're wanting to build it in a seven-year cycle, but well done. Thank you for pushing on a bit further for us. And um, yeah, just really genuinely excited for, for that to, to take place so soon. So let me start with some prayer, and then we'll get in. Thank you, Father, for your kindness and your love towards us. Thank you for your word given to us uh, centuries, generations ago, through faithful men and women who listened to you and wrote down what you would have us hear and follow and abide by. Even today, thank you that it's relevant for us, Jesus, even in this time where um, yeah, we live and it's crazy and confusing. Your word is true, it stands the test of time, and it's alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. So we are continuing uh, where we le- left off, I think it was two weeks ago. We obviously had the Easter break. And students, I hope you had a cracking camp. I was so sad to miss that, but only heard good things. We had five bath- water baptisms, which is like... Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. So I want to celebrate you guys um, who got baptized. And just, yeah, thank you for all those who served on camp, only heard good things. And um, anyway, I'm going to be conca- I might, or I hope I don't take too many rabbit holes this morning. We'll be done by 11. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be content- continuing our core value series. Um, we've done two already, and they were uh, being rooted. The Bible is our book, and Sarah so wonderfully served us in preaching that. And then Ali and Johannes preached two weeks ago on being warm and welcoming. That's also one of our values. There's always room for more, being warm and welcoming. And I'll continue that this morning by sharing on one of our values, and that is being filled with the Spirit. So no surprises, the title for my sermon this morning is Be Filled with the Spirit. So um, yeah, really excited to, to get into that this morning. And we will be in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. We were in Ephesians a lot of last year, and we'll actually continue this year, but I'm uh, sneaking a little sermon, which will maybe be preached in about another year from now. I'm sneaking it in uh, a little bit early. Okay, um, let's get stuck into it. So, um, yeah, there's been some really memorable moments in my life, and I'm sure they have been in yours, some good memories, some not-so-good memories. Uh, I'm just thinking of, um, yeah, m- memories, I'm thinking of the first time, maybe the first time for you, you heard your dad say, I'm proud of you. Or maybe the time when you graduated from high school or university. I wonder what's been some of the biggest memories for you. Maybe it's when you walked your child down the aisle or your child took their first steps. 
Um, maybe it was meeting the love of your life. Maybe it was when some mir- sort of miraculous thing that happened in your life that's just changed the trajectory of your life. Or, or maybe it's when you met Jesus for the first time and became a follower of him. Two of the most incredible memories for me in my life. The first one was 2005, April, I became a follower of Jesus. Changed my trajectory of my life forever. And yes, it does make me emotional. You can see we're a crying church. Um, it's also one of our values. <laughs> Overactive tear ducts. <laughs> Let me just state that. Um, one of the, so that was definitely the most incredible memory um, of the past uh, 15 years. Another one was 2008. Three years after that, I listened to a sermon um, called, um, uh, well, I can't actually remember what it was called, but all I remember the guys uh, sharing, and it was probably one of the sermons that I remember, that have remembered for the longest time, where I've actually listened to what it said and obeyed it and done it, and it's actually been quite revelationary. And that was uh, when this guy shared, the simple action point was to pray this prayer daily, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me. If you've been around One Hope for a while, you will remember I shared a similar sermon to this about two and a half years ago. Um, but if you haven't been around, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And it was so cool prepping for this this week. It like encouraged me so deeply personally. So I'm really excited to share this morning. Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me. And that'll be the guide for my sermon outline this morning. We'll first touch on Holy Spirit and just look a little bit at who the Holy Spirit is. Um, we are not going to spend long there because that deserves an entire sermon series on its own. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What's he about? Uh, We're going to leave it to one of the older guys of the faith, J.R. Packer, to share with us who the Holy Spirit is and what does he do in just a moment. He is actually dead, so this is just a video of him, um, fortunately. Uh, But you can trust the dead guys, right? Because they can't mess up anymore. So (laughs) they've been faithful for the years. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let me just stop. Can you play the video and then we'll we'll carry on. It is a fact that people don't take the Holy Spirit seriously. And I think that the fundamental reason is that they don't think of him as a person. The name Holy Spirit doesn't immediately tell you that this is a divine person. In fact, the Bible is very clear. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the three persons who live, if I can put it that way, in the unity of the Trinity. And each is as truly personal as the other two. Once people are clear on that, then the next thing to tell them is, do you realize that the Holy Spirit is sent by the Lord Jesus to carry on his work of making disciples? How does the Spirit do that? helping people understand the teaching of Jesus, making them aware of the reality of Jesus, actually confronting them and inviting them to himself. And then the Holy Spirit allures them, I should use that word advisedly, allures them to Jesus. The Spirit makes them realize Jesus is wonderfully loving, wonderfully holy, wonderfully upright and glorious as a model of human life. The Spirit has established the link between us and Christ. He keeps out of sight. I sometimes say that the Holy Spirit is shy. He is fulfilling his ministry, all right, but his ministry is to point us to Christ the whole time. 
and you are enjoying the ministry of the Holy Spirit when you are aware of Christ the whole time. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will lead you into that life in which you are close to Christ the whole time. That will bring joy to the heart of the Holy Spirit, who has made it happen, just as it will bring joy to the heart of Christ himself, who will embrace you in his love. So do take the Holy Spirit seriously and open yourself to having him point you to the Lord Jesus to be your Savior, your Master, and your friend. love these old guys, eh? just so humble, just so faithful through the years when they share, they just share with like a gravitas, and that's J.I. Packer sharing on who the Holy Spirit is. He is God, and he is God with us. The beautiful truth of the Holy Spirit is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you never have to live alone, never. You can be on a mountain on your own, but you have God by his Spirit with you. It is incredible. What does he do? He continues the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is no longer on this earth, right? He was once, 2,000 years ago. He's in the flesh, just like us. He's not anymore. So the Holy Spirit continues his work, drawing people to God, awakening our hearts to who God is, making us right with God, and then helping us live out what it looks like to follow God and share the good news of Jesus with everyone. So that's the Holy Spirit in a real tiny nutshell, <laughs> so much more to it than that. So what are we praying when we pray, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me? Well, we're asking for several things. The first one is, if you're not a follower of Jesus here this morning, you're saying, show me who God really is. Show me who Jesus really is. Give me the faith to actually put my trust in him and follow him for all my days. That's what you're praying if you pray, Holy Spirit, for me and lead me. So this is a prayer that's accessible to anyone, not only if you're a Christ follower. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're praying, Holy Spirit, empower me to obey Jesus, to follow after him, to look to him, to love him, and to give him glory with all of my days. And also strengthen me and fill me with courage and boldness to share the good news of Jesus with anyone I come across. That's what we're praying. Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me. Many more things than that, but that's a starting point. Let's then head over to the second part of the prayer, and that's where I want to spend the bulk of this morning. Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me. And we're going to dive into Ephesians uh, and chapter 5, not the whole chapter, don't worry, just the section of it um, this morning. And uh, for this part of my sermon, I, I have leaned quite heavily on a wonderful theologian as well called Andrew Wilson. He's a preacher, and he shares um, just incredible truths of God's Word. He's up in the UK, and one of his sermons really inspired me several years ago. And if you want to get hold of it, please get hold of me, and I'll share it with you. Um, but yeah, that's some of the context for this morning. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 15 to 20. And some of the context of the scripture is written by a guy called Paul. Paul wrote about half of the New Testament literature, so he's a really significant figure in the Christian faith. And um, what he's doing, he's writing to a group of people, the Ephesian church being one of them, and he's giving them instruction on how to live as a Christian in this part of Ephesians. He's saying, this is how we live out this wonderful faith. Uh, this is part of a longer section, so uh, just for context-wise, um, as we dive into it, you know where we're landing. Okay, I'm going to read it for us. You can follow on the screen or on your phone or in, in your Bible, whatever you got here. Okay, 
Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. There were also evil days back then, huh? Not much has changed. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Here's the the, the little sentence. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this passage contains three things you should do, three things you shouldn't do, a fourth thing you should do, and then three ways that kind of plays out. So let's start up top in the top three verses from verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, so a summary of these verses. Be very careful how you live. Christ follower, be very careful how you live. What does that mean? Be intentional with your life. Don't just let life pass and see what happens and off we go. Be intentional with your life. Do not be unwise. Make the most of every opportunity. Do not be foolish and understand the Lord's will. Kind of all in the same theme of don't be foolish, be wise. How do we be wise? We follow the will of the Lord. How do we know the will of the Lord? We understand and we read the scriptures, his Bible given to us. He's very kind to have done that, right? He could have just said, follow my will and not given us the scriptures, but he did. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And so he's basically saying, be wise, follow me. Live according to my pattern and do it intentionally. That's the instruction. Quite a strong instruction, and thank you as a good instruction to us, because it's so easy to be foolish, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've made some pretty dumb and foolish decisions in my life, some of which I regret uh, even to this day. And so it's very easy in our world to live foolish lives that are not full of wisdom, full of foresight and patience and consideration for the other, and consideration for the future. Taking the time to make decisions, praying and thinking as we go. We so quickly just react or respond, and usually by the influence of the outside influences like social media and the world around us, we use that as our guide instead of the scriptures to act wisely. And so God's basically saying in this, uh, Paul's basically saying to us in this section, be wise, don't be fools, follow the will of of the Lord. And so we'll move on to verse 18 then. We're not going to spend too long on those first three. And this is really the crux and the central point of what I really want to press home on us this morning. And it links beautifully to that simple prayer, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me. It says this, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so what's really cool about this is this is the one command that actually enables us to do those other ones. Don't be foolish, be wise, follow the Lord's will. It's, like, it's actually quite difficult to do that, right? Like, hey, cool, thanks, Paul, that's awesome. Uh, it's really hard to do that. How do you do it? Well, be filled with the Spirit. So God himself comes along, fills us, and actually enables us to obey God, to follow, to be wise, And that's such an unfair advantage. If you're a Christ follower, you've literally got the one who made you, helping you live the way that he made you to live. It is completely unfair, actually, if you think of it. And it's the wonderful thing of being a Christ follower in a world that's 
it's pretty hard, you know? Some pretty tough stuff that happens sometimes in our lives, and we have the one who made us guiding us and directing us, which is just incredible. So that's a really hopeful command. Hey, you, be filled with the Spirit. The difficult thing is it's a passive verb. How do you be filled with the Spirit? Have you thought about that? How do you do that? Be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> uh, remember this great example. Uh, the tough thing is it's difficult to obey because it's something that happens to you. So if I say to you, you know, phone your mom, you know how to do that. But if I say, be phoned by your mom, how do you do that? It's something that happens to you, right? But it's a command that we should obey. So we're going to kind of double click on that this morning and figure out how we actually do that. So when Paul's saying, and he's saying that to us this morning, be filled with the Spirit, how do we do that? What does that look like? You know, is it kind of this experience? And I think we, depending what background you've come from, when you hear be filled with the Spirit, you think of some weird and wacky things, or you think close up because I've had terrible experiences of that. Not sure what, where you come from, but when we hear those words, it's actually a very normal Christian thing to be filled with the Spirit of God so that we can live unto His glory and follow and obey Him. And so the question is, when, when, when Paul says uh, be filled with the Spirit, is he saying experience something or is he saying do something? Is he saying be filled and have this wonderful experience or is he saying go and sit down and do something? I think he's saying both actually. And so let's have a look at that and dive into that this morning. My laptop is freaking out. Okay, there we go. It's up and going again. Okay, so let's dive into this this morning. So there's beautiful imagery in the scripture which really helps us understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And the first one is this great juxtaposition that Paul gives us here and says, don't be drunk with wine. I think many of us know what that looks like even if you've just driven through the streets on certain evenings of this week. Um, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what is the, what is the juxtaposition here? He's saying, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Right? We speak about being under the influence of alcohol. What does that lead to? Debauchery, chaos, bad decisions. That's what he's saying. Don't do that. Be under the influence of the Spirit, which leads to life, peace, joy, direction, guidance, but it's this beautiful juxtaposition. And if you think of in Scripture, when um, the Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days after Jesus ascended on the, on the disciples, right? And um, they go out into the town, and the guys say, these guys have been, are, are drunk. They're drunk on wine. They say it's mid, midday. They can't be drunk on wine. The point is, they're filled with the Spirit, and something changes. They're under the influence. It is an obvious, visible, known experience to those around us when we are filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean we get weird. It just means that people know that we are Christ followers because we live differently, we do things differently, and we're empowered clearly by an external power that enables us to do stuff we can't do on our own. It's beautiful. And so Paul's actually saying here, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit for godliness and goodness. Um, yeah, okay. Let me move on from there. Another uh, beautiful imagery in Scripture is be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This might also be a little bit controversial for you, depending where you come from. But when, what, what does baptism mean, right? So it's actually a bit of a butchered word, and the, the guys who, who translated the scriptures actually chickened out a bit when they translated this. They did a transliteration straight to baptism. They actually made a new word when writing the, uh, the English Bible back in the day. But what it means is to be immersed, to be sunken in, to be drenched with the Holy Spirit. And so this is the, the language in Scripture. Be baptized in the Spirit. It's very experiential. We know when it's happened, right? Who got baptized on student camp? 
Anyone here? Are you here? Nobody here. There we go. One. Anybody else? Well done. This is amazing. Two. There we go. Did you guys know you'd been under the water? You knew all about it, right? You were soaking in drenched wet, probably a little bit cold. We know when we've been baptized by the Spirit. And this is the language of Scripture, that we are to be baptized, to experience. God, it's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing. It is a beautiful thing. It leads us to be influenced by Him, directed by Him. And so this is some of the language of Scripture, of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not kind of just this passive thing, you know, sitting, waiting around, Holy Spirit, fill me, lead me, see what happens. Sure, we do that, we pray, and it's not necessarily just like, you know, a flash of lightning and like, you know, fireworks, but it's just this beautiful, gentle way that the Spirit of God works, but we know all about it, and those around us tend to know as well. So what's been particularly unhelpful, and, and it's, it's understandable when you read the Scriptures, is sometimes we think of being filled with the Spirit like this kind of hydraulic imagery, right? Three images here have really helped me with this. I don't know if you can show that first one. We think of this, right? Be filled with the Spirit. I don't know about you, but that's what I think of. <clears throat> and when you think of that, you think, well, you can only be so filled, right? Then what happens? And it's actually really unhelpful for us when we think of being filled with the Spirit like that. Because when we know the original text, again, this is where it's helpful to know Greek and Hebrew. I don't know them, but I'm grateful for those who translate and help us figure these things out through commentaries and stuff. When you know the original language, we know that the same word um, for spirit is wind and breath. The very same word. Spirit is wind and breath. Not hydraulic imagery, not water necessarily. And so I think that imagery hasn't been particularly helpful in helping us understand and navigate as Christians, what does it mean to be filled by the Spirit? Because if I'm filled, then I'm filled, then, I'm, then what? It's done. But if we think wind and breath and we think of this next image, it's much, much more helpful in understanding us, helping us understand what it means to be filled by the Spirit. Because when you're sailing, who's a sailor around here? Okay, so I can say what I want. No one's going to know that I got it wrong. <laughs> Great. But when you're sailing, the wind blows the sail, right? And that's what drives us forward. And that boat can keep sailing and sailing and sailing as long as those sails are jigged in the right position to catch the wind. And this is the life of living, being filled with the Spirit. It's catching the wind of God and letting Him empower us and take us through the waves and take us through the breakers. And the beautiful thing is the wind never stops blowing. The wind of God is available and accessible to us. Sometimes our sails are out of kilter. Sometimes we put them down even for a time. But for, the beautiful thing is if you're a sailor, and to talk about doldrums where there's no wind, that never happens in a life with God. The Spirit of God is always blowing. Sometimes we're not jigged just right. And I think this imagery is hopefully going to help understand what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit because there's something the sailor does, right? He needs to jig the sails. I don't know. I'm going to say it's not that hard work. Apparently it is quite. I'm sure you get blisters on your hands and stuff. But the person and the power is external to move that thing forward. That sailor can do all he wants. If there's no wind, he's going nowhere. He's just going to float around, right? And be moved by the currents. Oh, that's another cool imagery. The currents of the world just drifting and taking him wherever they want. That wasn't intended, but that's another good uh, helps with builder. Usually these metaphors get lost somewhere, but that actually builds on it, which is quite cool. Great, grateful for that. Okay. Anyway, so uh, getting back to the point, how do we be filled with the Spirit? Well, it's really helpful to know that it's an experience and a habit. If you think of the sailor, the habit that he does, the effort he puts in is to jig those sails right, to know where the wind's coming from, to have his little oar thing in the right position. But he's going nowhere if it's not for the experience of the power of the wind 
driving his sail and moving him forward. And it's similar for the Christian life. We do a few things. We're in Scripture. We pray. We meet with community. We worship. We do wonderful things. And these are kind of the jigging of the sails that the power of God would come and move and be able to take us in the direction that God would have us go. So I often find juxtaposition quite helpful, like opposites. So what's the opposite of living being filled with the Holy Spirit, of living a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit? The Bible calls it living in the flesh. So living life according to the flesh. And here's another sport imagery. Sorry, I'm using so much today for those who don't care for sport. But um, this is a wonderful image. So I remember my brother did rowing uh, back in the day at school. And if you're a rower, did anyone do rowing? Huge respect for all of you because... If you love pain, you should do rowing. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a terrible sport. So you watch those guys doing the ergos. Like every single time, they'll be basically passed out or doing worse things, you know, after the ergo. Um, but this is live, living life in the flesh. In a, in a, I'm, obviously, I'm using picture language here, right? But this is living life in the flesh. It's like rowing. If you're rowing, you know you can't really row unless you're seriously fit for more than about eight to ten minutes, and that only gets you two kilometers. And then you're done. You're like, tap out, finish, clap. The Oaks are seriously fit. You know, the Oxford Cambridge, they'll do like five Ks or whatever, and that's 20 minutes. But that's it. And that's living life in the flesh. It's all in our own strength. When we can only go so far, and then we're done. We can't go any further. Now, imagine a seriously windy day where it's choppy and stuff. You ain't going to go very far in a tiny little rowing boat like that, right? You're going to go so far, and then you're either going to get tipped, or you're going to fall out, or you're going to call it catching a crab, right? Catch a crab, and then the thing smacks you in the face, and you fall over. Um, it doesn't go well. It doesn't end well. And that's, I think, a really helpful analogy to living life in the flesh as opposed to living life in the spirit. Like a sailor, you can just keep going and going and going and going because all you do is jigging those sails. And I actually experienced that uh, this week. Actually, on Friday, I was busy with a workshop up in Joburg. And I was mook because I got up early. You know, those who fly up to Joburg, up at four, you get there, you know, got the full day workshop flying or whatever. And it had been a long week and I was tired. And I just prayed the simple prayer, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me several times during that day. And I was genuinely, exceptionally energized on Friday um, to do that work and to have run this workshop with, with this company. And it was just really, really beautiful and experienced exactly what the sailor experienced. As tired as I am, just jigging those sails, the Holy Spirit came, filled me and led me and really empowered me to do work that was pleasing to him. Okay, so where does that land us? That lands us at this point where being filled with the Spirit is an experience and it's also a habit. It's us and God at work so, so beautifully. And what is the habit? The habit is those what we call spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits, habits of grace, whatever you're calling them. It's positioning yourself with God frequently, as I mentioned earlier, in the Bible, reading the Bible, in time with community like this, in prayer in times of singing, in various, in meditation, whatever it is, times with God, that's as we just jig those sails. Excuse me. We can catch His wind. But the truth is, if we do all those habits, okay, God is kind and He will still use them to empower us. But basically, if we do all those wonderful spiritual practices, the people who know the Scriptures far better than any of you and I, and they have no life of God in them. They're dead. In fact, they're anti-God. And they want to argue against him. And so we can do all these good things and not experience the life of God or be encouraged and filled with the Spirit. So all these good habits of reading and things are dead without 
the Spirit of God. I remember having this kind of big revelation. It was actually a student camp three years ago. Uh, for me, it was a big revelation that the, the one who wrote the Scriptures is actually with me. Like the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you did poetry. I'm sure you did poetry at school, you know, and the teachers would interpret this poetry in some way. I'm like, how do you know this is what the author intended? Nonsense. They make up the biggest load of rubbish, you know. But the truth is that, sorry for teachers out there. Love you guys. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> um, but the beautiful thing, and this is genuine revelation, I hope it is for some of us here, is that like the one who actually authored these scriptures through men's pens, the, the pen of men's, is with you in the room to give you actual, true interpretation and energy and strength and life through this wonderful, life-giving word, his Bible that he's given us. And so when we do it like that, it, it kind of turns from you know, reading just words on a page to actually having our hearts transformed. Transform. It, it turns from like just singing songs into the air to, to life-giving, energy-enthralling, you know, like sometimes life-changing moments from just praying to the ceiling to having an encounter with the living God. It's beautiful. And so that's what happens when we live filled with the Spirit, habit and experience. We do things and we're filled with the Spirit of God to make them come alive. Let me say as a, as a disclaimer, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, experientially, what does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> it can look like many different things. And so let me say, let's not box God in as to what is experiencing the Spirit of God look like, but let's also not look like we're drunk on wine and we're idiots, right? Sorry, that was a bit strong. What I mean is, let's not make it weird, but let's just be filled with God and let Him do what He wants to do. And sometimes that appears a little bit weird and strange to us because I think we're a little bit like safe, keep it here, you know? And sometimes he wants to do incredible and wonderful things. But let's just keep in mind what J.R. Packer said. It's all to point us to Jesus, all to see his name glorified, all to see us living in obedience to him. And, you know, sometimes we get the chills and these lovely things and that's great. That's not a problem, but that's really not what it means or not what it's really about to be filled with the Spirit. It's really about to pursue Jesus and be empowered to live a life that honors Him and to share His Word with others. Okay, we are close to coming in for a landing. I want to just quickly touch on the last three verses, then we're going to close with some singing. And the last three verses actually tell us to do that, which is pretty cool. Verse 19 and 20, that's two verses. Speaking to one another. So this is the overflow of being filled with the Spirit. What do we do? We speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are three instructions. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So it's difficult to be filled by the Spirit and live that out outside of community. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, encourage one another in the things of God. The next thing there is always, um, sorry, sing and make music to the, to the Lord uh, with all your heart. It's not only when we're stoked and we're excited and we respond with a song, but actually if you look at the Psalms, it's sometimes when we're not feeling great, but we, we praise God and we sing out so that our hearts would be lifted uh, to Him. And then lastly, give thanks to God with everything. I don't know about you, but when I am grateful, it's kind of hard to stay grumpy, right? When I'm grateful and I've got this attitude of gratitude that's cheesy and it rhymes, but I bet you'll remember it. Um, when I've got this attitude of gratitude, it really changes my whole disposition, and I'm grateful to God uh, when living in that space. And so the simple prayer, Holy Spirit, fill me 
and lead me. I really want to encourage us this week to pray that prayer, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me, over and over and over and over again, and see what he does. See how he moves you. See how he encourages you. See how he opens your eyes to those around you who are struggling or need an encouragement or need a word. How he opens your eyes to you, uh, the struggles of your kid or the struggles of your neighbor. And let him really just sink in and do his work as you pray that prayer over and over again this week. Let me land with a quick testimony from my own life. Paul, you want to come up as we're going to run the band? So we're going to close in a song. So one thing I can't deny ever is that the Spirit of God has been at work in my life and was at work in my life 16 years ago. My brother um, had just recently started following Jesus. He's a bit older than me. And he invited me to come and attend a church service actually just up the road here. And the crazy thing is something in me, I didn't know what it was. It turns out it was the Holy Spirit. I wasn't a follower of Jesus at this time. Drew me. It was like, I must go there. And something in my heart was already starting to move. I couldn't describe it. I didn't know what it was. I only figured this out upon reflection. But the Spirit of God was drawing me and calling me closer to Him. And so I said yes to this invitation. And uh, one of the best yeses I've ever said in my life. And one of the most significant moments in my life happened just up the road here. I became a follower of Jesus in April 2005. And the Holy Spirit had done something incredible in me. He had actually been working in me when I reflect for about two years. Small little things that had happened. A tragedy here, a little crazy moment here. I'll share some of the stories with any of you who want to know one day. And, and how he just brought me to this place of absolute serenity. I was like, Lord, you are who you say you are. I don't even know what that means. Maybe you're here in the, mor- here in the room this morning. You don't really even know what that means. You're like, who is this Jesus? I don't know. But all I know is I want to be his. I want to follow him. I don't even know what that looks like or what that means. That was me 16 years ago, in exactly the same position. I want to encourage you, if that is you this morning, to just say yes. Just say yes. You don't know what it all looks like. That's okay. It's good. It's incredible. He is good. And his spirit is at work in you right now, drawing you. If you are a Christ follower this morning, His Spirit is, it in you, is with you, drawing you and saying, come closer to me, experience me, be filled with me, enjoy the fruit of the Spirit in your life as you enjoy my presence with you. So let's stand together this morning as we're going to close with a song, just inviting the Spirit of God to come and fill us and lead us, even right now. I really trust that you'll experience God in a unique and wonderful way, even as we sing this morning, maybe even as you already have this morning. And that that wind of the Spirit would come and blow into the sails of your life and you'd see forward movement in Him. We love you, Jesus. Sing this song with our eyes pointed to you, Lord, and our hearts bowed down before you. Come and work, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come and move among us. Fill us and lead us, even right now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.